God said, it isn't good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, such as he needs. Some people hate those words. They hate the notion that a woman was created to help a man. I was at the UPS store last week, and I'm, I'm standing in line, and in comes a woman UPS driver to pick up uh, a bunch of large boxes and take them to her truck outside. And she's lifting these big boxes and putting them on the dolly, and it looks really laborious. And nobody in the store is helping her, you know, because you can't, right? Uh, that's her job, and, and she wouldn't let you help her anyways uh, because there's liability and labor laws and all of that. But an older woman in the store said to her, Oh dear, you need a man. And the UPS driver didn't even bat an eyelash, didn't even acknowledge her. I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking my, to myself, Oh lady, you don't say that, ever. <clears throat> it's crazy, isn't it? Our society wants equality for the sexes, yet at the same time, there are some people who think uh, women need a man's help, when in the beginning, a man needed a woman's help. Now that's by design, my friends, and perhaps I saw it being played out at the UPS store. You know, the woman UPS driver, even though she wasn't helping a particular man, she's helping mankind in her vocation. You know, she's helping to make things work in society. Now, hardcore feminists would still be offended at that because they would argue there's no design involved here. It's by the simple fact that women and men are equal beings in all matters of choice and ability that a UPS driver can be a woman. Now, I alluded to this to our youth group as we read through Genesis at the beach last Thursday. I don't know when the last time uh, was that you read through the book of Genesis all the way through, or even the first half of it like we did, but it had been a long time for me. And I am becoming more and more convinced every year that the individual books and letters of the Bible were written and are meant to be heard in their entirety, from start to finish, and more than once, too. Yeah, it's good to take little chunks at a time in church on Sunday or in Bible studies so that you can magnify and take a deeper look into one or two things. But when you hear the whole message in, its, in, you know, in one gulp, you get thoughts and emotions and pictures in your mind that you wouldn't get if you hear little bits every so often. I will make the man a helper such as he needs, may offend, some have taken on its own, but within the context of the whole narrative of the creation, God had it in mind to create male and female from the very start. Eve was not some afterthought because Adam couldn't hack, you know, he couldn't uh, uh, handle the job of working the land and naming all the animals. Both of them were given the beautiful task of taking care of this planet, which was created for the very purpose of supporting the offspring that they would make to fill every dry patch of it. The same goes for our verses today from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now we know these five words make some people very upset, 
Christians and unbelievers alike. Many can't get past the first five words and read what comes after, let alone the entire letter. But I maintain, when you read the whole thing from beginning to end, you get the bigger picture of what God is saying about living a married life as His dear children, whom He loves and cares for very much, as He did going all the way back to the very first people. Now, because Sunday services don't lend themselves well, uh, time-wise, to reading entire books of the Bible, except for maybe one or two, um, I can't give you that big-picture experience today. But perhaps I can help us understand a little bit more what God is saying just with these verses through the Apostle Paul. Now, I must admit, when it comes to marriage in the Bible, I don't fully comprehend it. Do you? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I've got all kinds of theological books and pamphlets about marriage, but I have a very pragmatic view and approach to marriage. For the person who chooses to marry, doesn't married life begin the moment they meet their spouse? I mean, even for those who couldn't stand the other person the day they met them. You know, because you hear those stories, right, of the old couple that's being interviewed. Oh, yeah, I met her at the dance. I couldn't stand her. But that's still part of their married life together, isn't it? I mean, who talks about their marriage to their kids and friends in terms of only their experiences on their wedding day and thereafter? Nobody. Nobody does that. It's like a person. A person's not a person on the day their birth certificate is signed. They're a person the moment they're conceived in the womb. Nine months in the womb is part of your whole life. Do I make sense? I think I make sense. (laughs) which is probably why this description of marriage in Ephesians is so mind-blowing to me. Is it to you too? I mean, can our little marriages here on earth between men and women really be an image or reflection of the marriage between Christ and His church? How is that even possible? And if you choose to marry in this life, how do you make your marriage presentable to Christ? You know, are you supposed to wait to have children before you're married and and keep yourself pure and all that? If so, epic fail for humanity through the ages on that one, right? I mean, even Joseph and Mary seem to have been shacking up before they got married, and the Holy Spirit didn't wait either to conceive Jesus in her womb. And are women really supposed to submit to their overbearing husbands, and are men supposed to love their nagging wives? I don't know. Maybe you've got it all figured out. But if you're as as confused about marriage as I am in the Bible, there is hope. There's a solution right here in Ephesians. Paul gives it to us in verse 32. It's a mystery, folks. That's the solution. Marriage is a mystery. Marriage, in that it refers to Christ and the church, is a profound mystery. Well, that's a bit of a a relief. But I don't want to just leave it at that. There's still more to say about love and submitting. 
When Jill and I were in our first year of marriage and had recently relocated to England and started going to church regularly in Cambridge, 40 minutes from home, we'd listened to a book on CD called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Have you heard of this book? It was a bestseller 20 years ago. It's by John Gray. <clears throat> but it really wasn't that groundbreaking. You know, it really wasn't, Gray wasn't really saying a lot that we didn't already know, but he just framed it in a way that, that helped couples communicate because Gray was onto something with this concept that men and women are wired differently on the inside. Men have to go into their cave and retreat for a while. And when men are in the cave, women must wait until they come out. Don't nag him and ask what he's thinking and feeling because it's just going to make things worse. Women have to go down into the well for a while. And men mustn't try and fix them or fix whatever the problem is. Just wait until she comes back up out of the well and then talk about it. Now, it was, it's good advice, very practical. But another book came out years later that's much better, Love and Respect by Emerson Egerix. Now, this author not only claims men and women are wired differently, he makes the theological case that God set it up from the beginning that way for men to respect their, for women to respect their husbands and men to love their wives, that they were, they were engineered this way. And he gets this from our reading from Ephesians. Now, immediately you think, well, you know, men respect and women love just as much as the other way around. Well, that's true. And Emerson doesn't say these things are exclusive to men and women. Just that God engineered it this way. They're more like roles men and women play in their marriages, but there's no training and trying. It happens because men are already designed to love and women are designed to submit, which sounds inflammatory, but don't get hung up on it because we can't forget that Jesus Christ is involved here. See, this isn't a, this isn't a do this. It's an already been done. It's already been set up this way. And Jesus has already taken care of the relationship he has with you, me, and him. Jesus enables men to love their wives and for wives to submit to their husbands. And I'm not going to soften that word submit by changing it into something it doesn't mean. We're just going to have to keep living on being upset with the text. It is what it is. Submit means accepting or yielding to the will of another person. It means giving way, backing down, caving in, bowing to, relenting to, acquiescing, respecting, surrendering, agreeing, consenting, bending the knee, tolerating, enduring, suffering, complying, observing, stomaching, heeding, playing by the rules, taking it lying down, lumping it, keeping in step, all those anger-triggering things. But, then again, don't we, the church, submit to Christ? 
He says we do. Are you offended to submit to Jesus? Some are maybe, but I hope you get the picture. Likewise, for men, love doesn't mean just being romantic with your wife, as if he's got the easy job. It means being smitten with, be infatuated with, hold very dear, adore, be devoted to, be committed to, care for very much, take care of completely, treasure, dote on, cherish, worship, sacrifice everything for, think the world of, carry a torch for. Men, when, when was the last time you carried a torch for your wife? You get the picture too. This is what Jesus has demonstrated to us. Love is his demeanor towards you and me. And not only does Jesus carry a torch for you, he carries a cross on his back and died on it. He sacrificed everything so that you would be presented to the Father on the day of the resurrection, blameless and without blemish. No spots or wrinkles, completely forgiven. This happens without marriage, by the way, so don't think this message is only for married people. Jesus still saves you and brings you to heaven even if you choose not to marry, or it hasn't happened yet, or just never happens. He's already taken care of the relationship and your future. Psychology and marriage self-help books can show us why men and women are different. They can show us that women need love and men need respect. We're designed that way so as to continue the work we were created for in the first place, even after the fall of creation into sin. But the love of Jesus Christ for you, me, and all people declared in the Scripture empowers us to love our spouse and submit to Christ. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And if you want another good book on uh, marriage, then uh, you can get this one out of our church library from CPH. I take out the garbage because I love you. Yeah, good one.